Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Have We Met with Brett. This is the weekly music podcast where I talk you through all of the week's new releases, and my hope is that by the end of the episode, you will have met your new favorite song. So if your playlist is feeling a little repetitive, or if you're tired of hearing the same 10 songs on the radio over and over again, you have come to the right place. It was a big week for new releases. We have music to talk about from Dua Lipa, Kim Petras, Jennifer Lopez, and a few of my other favorites. But before we get into that, there are just a few quick housekeeping notes I have to go through. So hopefully you're already a subscriber of the podcast. If you're not, please go to the homepage, hit subscribe. You can also leave a review or give us a rating out of five. All of that is super helpful in helping the podcast find a wider audience. You can also follow us on Instagram at HowWeMetPod. There is a link in the bio there that will take you to the weekly playlist. So that's every song that I play today in order, plus a few more recommendations that I don't have time to play. You can also find the link to the yearly playlist, both on Apple Music and on Spotify. And that playlist is every song that I have liked so far in the year 2024. And it already has over 160 songs on it. If you're listening to an older episode, all of the songs are still in order there. So just find the first one and you'll be able to follow along anyway. And the only other thing I want to say before we get into the new music is that this podcast does cost money to create. Not only do I spend the whole weekend combing through the week's new releases, I also take a full day to record and post the episode, and I buy all of the songs that I play on iTunes so that I can play them for you officially. So there are links in the bio on Instagram to donate either through PayPal or you can subscribe on Patreon. Patreon is a monthly subscription, either $2 or $5. Super easy way to contribute. Your name also gets posted in the episode description so everyone will be able to see what a kind and generous person you are. And so I want to say thank you to all of my subscribers right now. That number has been growing the last couple months and I see you. I appreciate you so much. And I've also had some really generous donations through PayPal and through eTransfer. And so to anyone who has been supporting me, I just want to say thank you. The podcast is really fun for me to put together, but it does take a full day out of my week. And I just need a little bit more help financially if I'm going to continue it long term. So just something to think about as you're listening. Ah, There we go. Now that we got that out of the way, we can get into what we're really here for. And that is to talk about our favorite new music of the week. Now, one of the issues with being such a picky person when it comes to new music is that there are very few artists that I stand unequivocally. Even my very favorite artists have made some blunders. Everybody has like little missteps here and there. But I think if I had to choose one favorite pop star of the current era, somebody that I think will define the sound of our generation, I would choose Dua Lipa. I just don't think there's anyone else out there who offers what she can. She has such a strong point of view in her music. She has such a recognizable vocal tone. It's really unique. Her performance abilities have gone above and beyond what they used to be. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you've seen this. There's a famous video of her performing the song One Kiss at Oshiega, where she's doing this, like, little silly, twisty dance move. and looks like she's not trying very hard, I guess. But you compare that to her Grammys performance, where she's so physical, in there with the dancers. She has big set pieces. She has knee slides. She has a moment where she hands her mic off to a dancer. She's even changed her hair for the new era. She was blonde for Future Nostalgia, and now she's redheaded for the upcoming album, which as yet is still untitled. But those are all such big pop star moves, and it's just nice to see a big pop star acting like a big pop star. And I think most importantly, she just seems really cool. You know what I mean? Like, she's self-assured, she's confident, she knows she's got it. And she seems like she would be fun to, like, hang out with, you know? And if you're going to be spending time with someone's music... It's kind of nice to think that you might want to spend time with them. 
because you kind of are in a way. So let's spend a little time talking about the new Dua Lipa song. It is called Training Season. So this new era, we talked about the song Houdini in the fall when it came out as having a blog house sort of influence. And that's characterized by, you know, kind of crunchy sounding music, a harder sort of percussion. And we are getting some hints of that still. I mean, Training Season was produced by the same two people, Tame Impala's Kevin Parker and dance music producer Danny Harl. But it does seem they've kind of smoothed out the edges of some of that crunchiness. And they've given us sort of a more straightforward dance banger. I've seen a few people saying that they think every Dua Lipa song sounds the same, and I need to refute that automatically because I think that is a critique that you could probably say about almost any artist, really, if you don't know their work very well. I don't really think this sounds like anything on Future Nostalgia. Uh, Maybe it sounds similar to Houdini, but it is part of the same era and by the same team, so I don't think that's really that unusual. Where the similarities are for me is actually in the lyrics. Houdini was a song about... You know, if you're not going to treat me really well the way I deserve, I'm going to disappear. And training season is a very similar in terms of the content. It's about needing a partner who can meet you on your level where you are. So basically, she's saying the relationship she's been in, we're training for the real thing and she's ready for the real thing. The song is super catchy. I've had it stuck in my head all week. I just checked out who the writers of the song are. And one of them is Carolyn Allen. And she was responsible for writing Dua Lipa's first ever giant mega hit, New Rules. The other artist, though, whose name popped out to me when I looked at the credits, is none other than Dragonette's Martina Sorbara. A Canadian dance music legend, icon, and maybe one of my favorite songwriters ever. I had to look into this a little bit because I hadn't seen anything on social media. Apparently, the melody of the chorus of Training Season is so similar to a song called Tokyo Nights that Martina released with Digital Farm Animals a couple years ago that they have been added to the credits of the song. So for the first time in Have We Met History, I am going to play you the chorus of the new song by Dua Lipa, and then I'm going to play you the chorus of Digital Farm Animals and Dragonette's Tokyo Nights, and let me see if you can hear the similarities. Here is my song of the week. This is the new Dua Lipa. It is called Training Season. That little outro bit where the percussion is like crashing and you can hear that high-pitched whistling almost synthesizer in the background, that is so bloghouse to me. That makes me want to just like thrash my body around on the dance floor. But I mean, <laughs> many songs make me want to thrash around. I have been referred to as the Sherburn Street Thrasher many times. I've seen a few people online compare that to sounding like an ABBA song or sounding like disco music and... I don't really hear that, if I'm being honest. I think Dua has flirted with disco very heavily in the past. And to me, this does seem like a progression of her sound. Is it referencing another very iconic era in dance music? Yes. But disco to me has more falsetto, more strings, more like shimmery kind of sounds. And this is very earthy and like gritty. And I don't really see that comparison. But 
I do think I hear the similarities between that and Tokyo Nights. So let's have a listen to Tokyo Nights and see if we can hear why they were threatening a lawsuit. Okay, I can admit there are some similarities. I mean, it's a slippery slope with these kinds of cases because what happened was when Blurred Lines came out, there was a lawsuit from the Marvin Gaye estate. And they said, we, I think maybe we've talked about this before. Sorry if this is old information for you, but it's important. Their argument was that even though the song didn't share a melody or any specific bass lines or anything like that, that the style of the song was similar enough that they could sue based on that alone. And obviously it was a tribute to Marvin Gaye and that style of music, but no part of the song was actually the same as a Marvin Gaye song. So that lawsuit when the Marvin Gaye state won, I think has changed a lot in terms of copyright law and this kind of thing. It's often happening now where a song will come out and somebody else will be added to the credits of it afterward. And sometimes it is really obvious, you know, uh, Ed Sheeran with Shape of You, the writers of No Scrubs were added to the credits of that. Uh, but other times I don't really hear the similarities at all. You know, Sam Smith had to add, oh God, what's his name? Tom Petty to the credits of Stay With Me because <laughs> the last three words of the chorus, stay with me, won't back down. It was like, if you pitch this up and if you slow this down, they sound the same on those three notes. Now, I think in order for a lawsuit to be viable in music, it has to be more than five notes in a row that are the same. And so that probably does apply with Tokyo Nights and Training Season. It's more about the rhythm, though, I find that's maybe similar. Either way, I'm hoping that means some major money in Martina's pocket and that we'll get another new Dragonette album sometime soon. I also would love if Maybe that draws a little bit more attention to Martina as a songwriter in general. I mean, if Dua's doing a Bloghouse album, Dragonette totally premiered in the middle of the Bloghouse era in 2007. Some of their remixes are Bloghouse classics, you know what I mean? And so she really would have fit in if that's the kind of era that Dua wants to do. So, hey, maybe it will lead to something. I mean, in my experience, lawsuits probably <laughs> don't lead to more work together, but you never know. Wishful thinking. The other thing that I want to say before we move on from Dua is that I love that she is putting out extended edits of the songs. She did it with Don't Start Now. She released what was called the Live from L.A. version, and it was the version that they ended up doing live on the tour. For me, I've gotten really tired of, like, the two-minute-long song, and so it's nice that she's allowing these songs to breathe. I mean, the original training season is three minutes and 30 seconds, which you could argue is, like, the perfect length for a pop song. But hearing the five-minute version, having those extra instrumental bits, having those extra flourishes in the production, that makes me really happy. I mean, we also got the instrumental and the acapella, which, you know, is just <laughs> a tactic to inflate the streaming numbers. But if you're a remixer, for example, that acapella might come in handy for you. So while we're on the topic of people releasing very short songs so that they might go viral, we have to talk about the new Kim Petras album, Slut Pop Miami. Now, Kim is no stranger to surprise releasing a concept album or EP, I guess. 
All the way back in October 2018, she put out a horror-themed album just in time for Halloween that was called Turn Off the Light. And then a year later, she surprise released a part two of that album. So all of those songs had kind of dark, grungy undertones, you know, scary lyrics, a guest verse from Elvira. I really loved that EP, actually, especially part one. I think Close Your Eyes is one of the best songs Kim has ever put her name to. And honestly, it kind of made sense in terms of like the branding and the marketing. You know, if Mariah is the queen of Christmas, we need a queen of Halloween. You know what I mean? And we don't really have one who's making horror themed bops. But it seems Kim has gone from horror to horrier. <laughs> so last year around this time, Kim put out an album surprisingly called Slut Pop. It was a change of direction for her because she had been teasing the release of her first. Well, she called it her debut album. She has an album called Clarity, which is technically her first album, but she doesn't think of it that way, apparently, for whatever reason. So she released a song called Future Starts Now that was supposed to be the debut song from her next album. Then she put out Coconuts. And it's funny because Coconuts has a slutty kind of fun feeling to it, but then it wasn't included on Slut Pop. And so it's just one more strange decision in the marketing and the iconography of Kim Petras. There's there's a lot of questions. She also performed Coconuts at the EMAs and mashed it up with a song called Hit It From The Back, which was also sexy and also not included on Slut Pop number one. Now, Slut Pop has been reimagined as Slut Pop Miami. And what I will say before I say anything else is that the artwork, the photo shoots, incredible. She looks amazing. She's by the pool. She's in the hotel bed. She's got naked men all around her. She has these really dark low lights that are just so early 2000s. And you know me, that just always makes me so happy. And while I thought Slut Pop was kind of a fun throwaway idea last year, I don't know that we necessarily needed to expand on the concept. In her concert in the fall, when we saw her in October, she did a set of songs from the original Sub Pop, and it was a cool section of the show. But to me, like a lot of the songs are like one and a half, two minutes long. A lot of them are just her repeating kind of <laughs> dirty words over and over. There's not a lot of like melody and like beef behind most of these songs. They're kind of, they're throwaway, you know what I mean? And so releasing music that's throwaway on purpose, just, I don't know. When she debuted, she was putting out songs like Heart to Break. And that's one of, I think, the best pop songs that's ever been written. You know what I mean? And yes, her audience is primarily, you know, younger or like millennial gays. But I do think it can be a little bit, I don't know, pandering maybe, or just a little diminishing, I guess. It was funny. I was talking to my friend Joel. Hi, Joel, about this. And he said, it's kind of like having a conversation with a drunk friend who is telling you a story you already heard sober. We've had this conversation, but better. <laughs> I'm a Britney stan, right? Get Naked? Oh my god, I could listen to that a million thousand times, but for another time. Something a little, <laughs> no pun intended, a limp about some of these songs, you know? They're just they're kind of like not fully formed or something. Overall, I'm just not sure exactly what the point is. Assistant releasers that I can think of from Slut Pop Miami. We put this on at our place the other night and everybody was dancing around. It is called Rim Job and it contains one of my favorite couplets on the whole EP. He sing a ballad while I'm tossing his salad. This is the new Kim Petrus.
I mean, it's like, it's fun. It's it's fine. But there is something a little bit, <laughs> excuse the pun, limp about these songs. It, there's just, they don't feel as like beefed up and like full as they need to be. And maybe it's the subject matter. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a song about sex. Like I'm a Britney fan, obviously. Get Naked is one of my favorite songs of all time. But I don't know. There's just, yeah, these, these aren't hitting the way that I uh, am used to Kim hitting. And it was already a little difficult to kind of continue supporting her, you know, amongst all the Dr. Luke stuff and whatever. You know, I think I've tried to turn a blind eye and be like, you know, she's our first trans pop star. And that is a big deal. And it does mean something. And I, I do believe that. Uh, I also, you know, the rumor is that Dr. Luke isn't the only person she works with. He's not always involved with the music. His name is often just on her music because of her contract and it's like a vanity credit, whether he's releasing it or not. I mean, he's also producing me mega hits for, you know, Doja Cat, Nicki Minaj, Lotto, Luke Hala, all of these people still work with Dr. Luke. And Kim seems to be the only one who gets the brunt of the like, you know, oh, she works with an abuser kind of thing. And I understand that critique. I think in the past, I've been able to say, you know, the music's so good that I don't, you know, I can put that aside. Um, but the music quality for me has taken a bit of a dip for sure. So anyway, I'm, I'm hopeful that this is the end of the slut pop era. Uh, if she plans on putting out another kind of two EP set in the future, I'm curious to see what it'll be. She's been queen of Halloween. She's been queen of sluts. She could be queen of, I don't know, Memorial Day, I guess. Who knows? <laughs> but as I mentioned, we saw Kim. On she knows how to get the crowd on her side and she does have some big visuals. She knows how to get the crowd on her side and she she knows how to get the crowd on her side, and she does have some big visuals. Graffy has kind of taken away some of her natural charisma and, like, spontaneity on stage. But like Dua Lipa, maybe that will continue to improve. Kim is on tour right now in the UK, and her opener is one of my favorite indie pop artists. We have to talk about the new song by Georgia. We talked about Georgia last year when her album Euphoric came out. We also talked about her again when she was co-writer and producer on the New Year's and Years song. It was called Very Bad Fun Idea, and it was my song of the week in December. Apparently, Georgia has been playing this song live in concert for the last little while, and she decided to release it officially on the first night of her opening for Kim on tour. I really loved Georgia's album. Daryl called it at the time the most healing album of 2023. It played a lot with 90s dance influences, trance music, that kind of thing. And this song could easily be like a deluxe version song of that album. It starts with this nice like emotional house piano and it builds up to this like hi-hat kind of thing with all these like really dramatic synth noises. It's really, really fun. Uh, it's quite beautiful. She has such a nice, soothing, emotional voice. And it gives a lot of weight to these dance tracks that might sound, I don't know, kind of silly or trite in somebody else's care. So I am going to play you the new Georgia. I'm going to play you the build up into the drop of this song. So you get the idea of like that meaningful build up into the drop. It's very satisfying. This is the new Georgia. This is too much or too little.
Oh, I kind of just wanted to let that one keep playing. I'm really sad I can only play about 30 seconds for you. I hope that you feel like that was enough of a tease that you go and listen to the full song. The more I hear from Georgia, the more I get to know about her, the more I think I might be in love with her as an artist. She just has a fabulous sense of what makes a great pop song, and I'm really, really a big fan. Hopefully she can build up a bit more of a following on the Kim Petras tour. Hopefully the gays wake up and realize what they've been missing out on. I do kind of understand why that song isn't on her album, though. It doesn't have the same, like, healing energy. It's about, like, the end of a relationship instead of the beginning. But either way, I'm glad it's in our hands now. And while we're on the subject of gay people going on tour, I talked last week about gay artist Bentley Robles and how he's going to be in Toronto soon, supported by Z Machine, another queer artist from L.A. I played a song by Z Machine in the fall. It was called The Radio. And this week they are back with something just a little bit sexier. It is called Good Boy. On Instagram, Z Machine said they were leaving that sad boy shit behind and that this is a song for the ethical slut awake after midnight. It's got a really bombastic sound. It's really grand. It's really just unabashedly pop. And that's what this podcast is all about. People who aren't afraid to make big pop music. And Z Machine now has song after song after song that I've been adding to my playlist. I'm still not sure if they've officially announced their date, but it's coming up, I think, in April. So keep your ears and eyes open for that, okay? Don't worry. I'll be the first to tell you about it, and I will be there. And I will be shouting this song from the top of my lungs. This is the new Z Machine. It's good boy. There's something really classic about the songwriting there. I love that, like, almost operatic way that they do that, like, oh, wow. That is most pleasing to me and adds a lot of, like, drama to it. I think there's nice levels there that are kind of missing. You know, we're talking about the Kim song earlier that doesn't seem as, like, full. And that song, to me, sounds really full. And Z Machine wasn't the only queer artist that released a really full-sounding, upbeat song this week. We also have to talk about the new song by Vincent. Now, we've talked about Vincent before. Daryl and I did a Best of 2023 episode where we talked about Vincent's song, Romance. And it was one of my favorite songs of last year, but Daryl said he found it a little bit underwritten, I guess. But this week, How the Tides Have Turned, I was listening through all the new music and the new Vincent song was playing and Daryl said, who is this by? He even posted it in his story on Instagram. Vincent was originally a finalist on a TV singing show called The Four, which I haven't actually seen, but I have become very familiar with Vincent's music since then. His debut album came out in 2021. He has duets with Alex Newell, and he's also featured on a song called The Can Song, in brackets, Tastes So Good, which is him, Kaylee Kiyoko, M&EK, and Kesha. It was for like a weed beverage company, and maybe you've seen the video. It's actually a fabulous song, considering it's basically a three-minute ad for a drink. <laughs> but Vincent's voice is really striking. He has this gorgeous range, really nice falsetto. A lot of power behind the vocal. It's it's almost gospel sometimes. And that's how I feel about this new song as well. It's called Good To Me. 
And like Georgia, it kind of plays with that late 90s, big, big dance sound. On Instagram, Vincent said, I've been living for a year with these songs shouting in my head, begging to be heard, and I'm so glad it's time. I've never felt so free, so in my skin, and so me. This is the first of many singles to come. This is my summer of love. There's also a lot of teasing with a, I guess it's an orange emoji? The background of the video clip is orange. Uh, a lot of the text on the album artwork is orange. The album artwork for this song is a Grace Jones reference, and there is orange there as well. So maybe that's his color crush right now. I'm not sure. Either way, the song is so, so fabulous, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So here it is. This is the new Vincent. It is called Good To Me. So when I record the podcast and I put on the song and I try to decide what clip I'm going to play, like usually I just play the chorus or leading up into the chorus or that kind of thing. Um, That song I just listened to about three times and cried every single time. (laughs) There's something, I don't know, maybe it's just because I read what he wrote about it or there's just something about that vocal, that gospel choir in the background, that uplifting way that it builds, that piano. Oh, my God, all of it. You know what? I'm sorry, Dua, but I think I have to highlight a lesser-known artist this week. That's what the podcast is all about. Vincent, that is my song of the week. Oh, my God, what a gorgeous, gorgeous song. <laughs> oh, For some reason, I'm crying on the podcast a lot lately. I actually cried on the very, very first one I ever recorded. It was like my test recording. And I was talking about uh, a singer I love named Call Me Loop, who had released her last song ever. It was called Goodbye Song. And I could not talk about her retiring from music without crying because I was just going to miss her so, so much. Um, Yeah, something about just the joy that that song encapsulates and what it represents. You know, I think for queer people, you know, Z Machine just said, like, let's leave that sad, sad boy shit behind. And I think, you know, we we often dwell on our heartbreak and that kind of thing. But there's just so much beauty and so much happiness and so much joy waiting for us out there if we just have the patience to find it and wait for it to come to us. And I feel like that's where Vincent is at. And so I'm going to be really, really on board with this next Vincent era, I can tell. Woo! Okay. All right. I got two more songs I want to play for you today. Before I do that, I just want to remind you, if you're not already following the podcast on Instagram at Have We Met Pod, go there right now. Give me a follow. Click the links in the bio, the weekly playlist, the yearly playlist, the Patreon, the PayPal, anything like that. If you want to donate, subscribe, rate, review, all of that is super helpful and will help me keep this podcast going. I hope that I've been helping you find some new music that you wouldn't have heard otherwise and some new music that you're enjoying. This next band, I am pretty confident you aren't aware of yet, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to Say Lulu. Say Lulu is actually a band made up of two twin sisters. Their names are Electra and Miranda. They are actually the daughters of two famous musicians. 
Their dad, Steve, was in a band called The Church, and their mom, Karen, was in a band called Pink Champagne. But she also helped write a lot of the church's music with their dad. Now, I'm curious. I know the term Nepo Baby gets thrown around a lot. I am curious what you think about that whole situation. First of all, I come from a family where my dad took over the family farm and now my younger brother is taking over the family farm. You know, it's like you grow up doing that work or understanding that work or seeing that work. And so you naturally maybe understand it. I don't know. If you have musician parents, music is always going to be around and they're probably going to teach you how to play. You're going to watch them perform, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's almost like in your DNA, right? And so, yes, I agree that if you're, you know, if there's nepotism involved, you're going to get opportunities that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Sure. But like, you know, you're not going to refuse to go to a funeral home because it's run by the kid of the people who used to run the funeral home. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine somebody telling like Liza Minnelli that she's only famous because of her mom. You know what I mean? Like she's an Oscar winning actress in her own right. Same with, say, Laura Dern. You know what I mean? Or now Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, yes, sure, maybe you have famous parents and maybe that opened doors for you that wouldn't have been opened otherwise. But you've also lived your entire life watching this kind of work be done. So anyway, maybe the people from the church or from Pink Champagne aren't that famous. So maybe that conversation doesn't really apply here anyway. But it is something that has been on my mind a little bit lately. When Say Lulu originally formed, they went by Saint Lulu back in the day, but due to some legal action, there's a lot of legal action happening today, isn't there? They were threatened with legal action, so they changed their name to Say Lulu. They have released two albums under that moniker, but the last one was in 2018, so it's been a little while. They are gearing up to release their third album called Dust at the end of April, and so far they've shared one other song from it. It's called Waiting for a Boy, and it came out a month ago. But this new song is named after a famous Chinese movie director named Wong Kar Wai. I was looking through his filmography, and I'm not sure if I've actually seen any of them. It seems he came about kind of in the mid to late 90s. In 1997, he won the Best Director Award at the Cannes Film Festival, and his response to that was to say... That it's not a big deal. It's just something you can put on a poster. <laughs> In an interview about the song, Say Lulu talked about why they like his movies. And they said, the song is inspired by wishing you were somewhere else, not here, anywhere. That love was like a film, a dream, anything but this tired, sad reality. Wong Kar Wai is a director who manages to reflect longing and mystery. A master of composition and capturing how chance encounters can be the fate that you needed. I think the word dream there is probably the most apt to describe how this song sounds. It's a little bit like 60s hypnotic almost. Guitar, yes, but like this unsettling, almost like off-key sort of sound in the background. It's a little bit haunting, but it's quite beautiful. I think you're going to like it. It's called Wong Kar Wai, and this is the new Say Lulu.
I kind of love it. I don't know. There's something about it that it's really appealing to me. Maybe it's just that it's such a strange concept for a song. I don't know. But there is something really special about it. And I do love Say Lulu. I love the idea of twins making an album together. And I'm glad to have them back in the sphere. Now, I said I was only going to play two more songs for you. And now I'm at a little bit of an impasse because I do have two more still that I want to play. But here's the thing. The new Jennifer Lopez album came out on Friday, and it is accompanied by a visual film. And I haven't actually had a chance to watch the film yet, and so I would like to watch it before I make my final judgment on the album. Upon listening through it, I found it a little bit... Uh, I don't know, maybe monotonous is the word. I find a lot of the songs have similar production. You know, this like... I think they're trying to harken back to her like early R&B days, but the percussion is just so like, uh, I don't know, like rattly or something on all of the songs to me. And I, I think I have to listen through the album again a couple more times before I can really like decide what my favorite is. There is a song called Hummingbird, which is like my signature animal. And I was hoping it would become my theme song, but I'm not sure that it's my favorite on the album. There is also a Ray co-write on the album. Maybe you have listened to Dear Ben part two, but yeah, at this point I can't tell if I find the album so consistent that it's all good or just so kind of similar that it all blends together. I think watching it with the visuals is really going to help. So I'm going to put a pin in that and maybe I'll come back to it next week. If you've listened to the album or watched the film and you have a favorite, please send me a message. Let me know why. And maybe I'll give you a little shout out next week. Now, if we're going to listen to one more song, we're going to finish with a bang, okay? There was another dance artist this week that released a song that I love. Rita Ora put out a song with an artist named Griffin. It is called Last of Us, and it is acting as the first single from Griffin's third upcoming album called Pulse. He says Pulse is a return to why he fell in love with dance music in the first place. And it's hard to think of a better arbiter than Rita Ora for that. She has so many dance classics. She has this voice that's really adaptable and really soaring. Uh, in the same way that Vincent's song makes me feel a little bit emotional, this one kind of does too. It has the same build, that same really sweeping chorus. She sounds gorgeous on it. And there's something melancholic but also optimistic about it, I guess. It sounds really, really nice to these ears. I wanted to leave you on something uplifting, leave you on a high note today. So my last song for this episode it is the new Rita Ora with Griffin. It is called Last of Us. I can totally see why he said it was like falling in love with dance music all over again. There's something just unapologetic about that sound. She sounds gorgeous on that. I really love the vocal. She is really filling up all that space, but it doesn't sound forced. It sounds really natural. I immediately threw that one on my gym playlist. If you're on Spotify, I can send you the link. It's called NRG, baby. So if you need some motivation at the gym, something to put on, it makes you feel like dancing, I have got you covered. 
And there you have it. That brings us to the end of another episode of Have We Met with Brett. I hope you had as much fun as I did. There were so many songs this week that I was really excited for you to hear, excited to play for you, and excited to research. If there's anything that I forgot to play that you were hoping I would play, go check out the weekly playlist. There are some more recommendations there that I didn't have time for. Uh, A new Holly Humberstone, a new Paloma Faith. Her album came out this week, as well as just a couple others. So if you liked what you heard today and you want a little bit more, that is where you need to go right now. And if there's something that I missed, don't be afraid to let me know. I'm always looking for new music. Tonight, I'm going to see a band called The Kills with my friend Miles. It's going to be a little bit rockier than what I'm normally into, but they're playing at the Danforth Music Hall, one of my favorite venues, and I'm really looking forward to it. So next week, look forward to a little review of that. Maybe my favorite song from The Kills, as well as all of the new music coming out this Friday, February 23rd. Looking forward to it. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brett, and it was so nice to meet you.